It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. You know, the Holy Bible is quoted in several of America's founding documents. It's referenced in countless classic literature, um, that literature that is actually taught in schools. And yet it's not allowed to be studied in school. Well, that is until now. LifeWise Academy discovered a rarely used loophole in public school systems that allows for one hour of release time activities. Enter biblical education. And now over 325 schools in 12 states have the program and the numbers are growing. Joel Pendon is the founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy and has written a book explaining how the teaching of the Bible in schools came about. The book is called During School Hours, Why and How LifeWise Academy is Reinstalling Religious Education in the Public School Day. And Joel joins me now. Welcome. Lauren, thank you so much for having me. This is fascinating, really. So how did all of this start? Well, how did it start? Well, this thing of released time that we'll discuss has been around for over 100 years, and the Supreme Court ruled on it in 1952 uh, that when they stated that public school students can be released from public school during school hours to receive religious instruction provided the program meets three criteria. It needs to be off-school property, needs to be privately funded, and it must have parental permission. Uh, and so that was 70 years ago. However, it's just been under the radar, best kept secret. Uh, what I would say is the greatest missed opportunity of the American church to reach the next generation. Uh, and a few years ago, uh, it kind of fell into my lap. And uh, in 2019, we launched our first program. So this is, I mean, this boggles my mind that this exists. So how do how do schools just kind of fill this time right now? I mean, this release time, is it just is it just uh, recess outside or what what are they doing? Well, this is the, the schools fill their days with their classes and, and all of that. And when a group like LifeWise Academy wants to provide a program, we approach the school as part of our 10 step launch process. And for the most part, we we're informing schools, school administrators, superintendents, principals, for the most part, aren't aware of this, even though sometimes school board uh, policy manuals have policies on the books already about release time. People just haven't read it. People don't know it's there. So we're usually uncovering this. We're pointing this out and we're saying, hey, we would now love to take advantage of this legal opportunity. And then we coordinate with the school. Well, okay. so let's back up. So how did you discover this loophole? Because this is fascinating that something just is there for 70 years and no one knows. Yeah, it really is fascinating. And in fact, your response is the same as nearly everyone I talk to. Nearly everyone I talk to says, this doesn't even sound real. How could this be? How would we not know about it? And that was my response. In 2018 is when I got a call from people in my hometown. They discovered this could happen. So in my hometown, I don't live there anymore. I live in Columbus, Ohio. But in small rural Northwest Ohio, they started a program they bought a house next to the elementary school, renovated it to classrooms, started signing kids up. Again, they need parental permission. So they their goal was to have 30% of the school enroll. To their surprise, the very first year, 60% of the school enrolled. Wow. And by year three, 95% 
of the entire school was enrolled being taught a Bible class every single week. They then reached out to me. Uh, I had started a, a nonprofit ministry, was growing that ministry in Columbus, Ohio. And they said, Joel, help us figure out why other people haven't heard of this. That's when I went to work and realized this thing of release time, it's it's not the easiest thing to pull off. There's a lot of barriers to entry. So what if we put it in a box? What if we made a replicable program that any community could implement without having to reinvent the wheel? Is it possible this 70-year-old opportunity that's been underutilized, is it possible it would take off? That was just 2019 when we launched two programs. And here, a few short years later, we're serving over 300 schools across more than a dozen states. And it's got to be like word of mouth because I've not seen any advertisements. And I'm, I'm on religious websites all the time. I've never seen anything about it. You know? Yeah, it is word of mouth. And it's parents that are getting excited. It's community members that are getting excited. I mean, you have a perfect storm of factors. Number one, everybody sees what's happening in our schools. They see what's happening in the next generation and they're concerned. You have uh, community members who grew up being taught the Bible, but now had almost given given up hope that it would be able to be passed on to the next generation during the school day. And then you have parents that are wanting, parents and administrators that are saying, boy, what on earth can we do to address a crisis of character? All that's happening in which we're able to come in and say, hey, did you know that 70 years ago, the Supreme Court made sure that this could happen during the school day and people are getting so excited and people are spreading the word. So how does it work now? And it's once a week they go for religious education once a week. So it's like Sunday school during the week. Yeah, kind of kind of like that. And it, normally one or two classrooms at a time are released. And so if you think about it in the way that at the elementary school level, kids get art class once a week, they get music class once a week, and it's, you know, one or two classrooms at a time go down the hall to the art room. Well, here's an opportunity for each classroom or a couple at a time can not go down the hall, but go across the street to the church to learn a Bible class. And so we'll have some huge classes. We have a program that there's 900 students enrolled of the 1000 elementary school students. We have 900 of them. And so two classrooms at a time, five times a day, five days a week, a big red LifeWise bus picks up the kids, takes them to the YMCA, teaches them a Bible class and brings them back. You had talked about there are some barriers that are up. What are some of the barriers that kind of become like just hurdles to go over to get this happening? Well, sure. Well, what we kind of determined it was holding this whole thing back, why it hadn't spread for 70 years, is because to start a program like this, you basically have to start a private school because it's got to be off school property, which means you got to find a facility, you got to find transportation, got to figure out curriculum, staffing, funding, marketing, I mean, everything A to Z. Mm -hmm. And so it was that realization that led us to the conclusion, but what if we could do that on the front end? What if we could raise the money, hire the staff to develop all the systems, processes, resources, curriculum, training, everything possible A to Z, local communities would still need to operate the program. Uh, but what if we could provide all the materials with this thing work? So tell me how it, ha how it works now. And I want to know how, what is really the cost of doing this in a school, like an elementary school? Sure. Well, it, it varies from school to school. A, a very small school with a church next door uh, is going to be very inexpensive. You know, you can operate that thing for honestly next to, to nothing mm -hmm. because 
you don't have a facility and transportation and it's a small school. So you may even get away with volunteer staffing a very large school. You may be building a building, buying a bus, hiring full time staff. And so you may be, you know, operating for one hundred thousand dollars or more on an annual basis. It really depends on the school, the process. What we've uh, laid out, we have a very clear 10 step launch process that has now been proven hundreds of times over through our website. People can jump on. They can find their school. They can begin what we call a community interest list, which is basically a petitioning process for the community to demonstrate, hey, we want this thing to happen. And then we go through steps of forming a steering committee, working with our staff to formulate a plan and then implementing that plan. But what we're finding, yes, cost is that cost does not seem to be the main barrier. Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I mean, again, people in communities find out this is possible and they think of the impact and they realize, oh, this is huge bang for the buck. And people are stepping up to say, just tell me what check I need to write. So a lot of it, you know, you can go to a church directly and they can get involved. And it's certainly some of these larger churches can do it. And would you recommend that a church just take on one school or, ch or several schools? Well, what we find is that there are many more churches than schools. And so in the same way that the community comes together around the public school to form the public school in a way, we would like to see churches come together to provide the LifeWise program. And so in some ways, it may become, especially in the larger cities, an adopt-a-school situation. Um, more ideally, it's a collection of churches, a collection of community members that come together that have a you know multiple churches represented on a steering committee. That committee then ultimately forms a board, hires a director, but it's the community of Christians now with a unified front that are going to that local school district saying, we want to provide this to our students. And you're saying this release time is for religious education or is it for any kind of education? Well, the Supreme Court ruling and now 26 state laws specify religious instruction. So that's one of the things that's interesting. Sometimes people, before they read the documentation, will say, oh, you guys must be taking something out of context and applying it to religious instruction. And we say, oh, no, it would it would be the opposite way around. <laughs> like if you wanted to apply it to sports or something, that's out of context because the laws and the Supreme Court ruling specify religious instruction. Wow. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to ask about this. Isn't there this conflict between church and state? And that's, uh, I know you've clarified it in the book, and I know the answer to this, but what is the answer to when people say, isn't there a barrier, this conflict over church and state? Yeah, I would say that it is the doctrine of church and state that led to this Supreme Court ruling. In 1948, a case went to the Supreme Court. A program was struck down because pastors were going into a school and teaching religious classes, and it was compulsory. Every student had to be a part of it. That was struck down. Four years later, in Zorach versus Clausen, this 1952 Supreme Court ruling, uh, uh, kids were leaving the school. They It was voluntary, no public funds were used. And so it was the Supreme Court saying, this is a manifestation of the separation of church and state. Students are literally being separated from the public school to receive this religious instruction. It's it's voluntary. There's no public funds. It's not on school property. That's how this got enshrined and protected because it's a perfect, beautiful manifestation of that doctrine. Well, I'm just floored by this and I can't get enough information about this. But, you know, why why is it important that young people learn about the Bible? 
Oh, well, I mean, you and I would agree that on the spiritual level, there's nothing more important. I mean, man does not live by bread alone, but on the word of God. And so the greatest tragedy in the world is that a human being can go through their lives without uh, hearing the word of God uh, shared with them. And so everybody needs it. Um, uh, but even on, for those who aren't Christians, who maybe wouldn't who don't believe that. I mean, I would contend a few different things. Number one, I would say study after study after study shows that those with Bible education improve in their academic performance, their character improves, their mental health improves, risk factors go down, all positive factors go up. Also, the Bible is by far, hands down, the most influential book ever written. It has been played such a role in shaping our culture. Uh, every student needs, should be exposed to such an influential book. Yeah, I want to take a, a brief break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back talking about um, LifeWise um, Academy. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. And we're back um, at Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking with Joel Penton, who is the founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy. And it is, Joel, help me out here. It is an organization, a nonprofit that brings Bible teaching to the public school in a way that is allowed during the day, right? Is that what right. we're talking about? It's exactly right. We say Bible education for public school students during school hours. As crazy as it may sound to say all those words in that order in 2023, that, that's what it is. Bible education for public school students during school hours. And it's possible because of the Supreme Court ruling that says we need to take kids off school property, need to make sure it's privately funded, need to make sure there's parental permission. But when that's in place, it's legal and it's happening for hundreds of schools now across the country. Now, how is the curriculum handled? I mean, in what version of the Bible? I mean, all I mean, I just wonder the curriculum, you know, when you I suppose it's different for each age. But, you know, let's just say a typical, you know, elementary school level. What happens? Yeah, we have a we have a wonderful curriculum partner. We li have a licensing agreement with a curriculum called the Gospel Project, which is one of the most popular Sunday school curriculums, and what I would contend is the best curriculum on the market. And here's why: it's uh, we take students through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation. So we take kids start in first grade in Genesis, and mm -hmm. by the time they're done in fifth grade with elementary school, they've been through the entire Bible, and every lesson has a threefold focus. We talk about head heart and hand. So first head, what is the information on the page? What does the Bible story say? Two, heart, we take a step back to say, how does this Bible story connect to the bigger picture story of the gospel message? How does this point to Jesus mm. and our need for him? And then hands, if we rightly understand the gospel in this context of the story, how does that transform our character? And so we are not delving into the finer details of religious doctrine. It's important that we are connected to local churches and, and funneling, in a way, families into local churches. We're focusing on the big picture, gospel-centered message of the Bible, and we're doing that every week as we go through the entire Bible. You know, there's so many studies showing about how people are sort of being de-churched. They're kind of pulling away from going to church on Sundays. Is this helping local churches actually gain membership or at least gain people, increase numbers of people who are attending churches? 
Oh, well, there's no question. Those are the stories we hear each and every day. I was preaching at a church out of town, but a community where they have LifeWise, and they invited me to come preach. And after the service, a woman and her daughter came up to me, and the woman said, thank you so much for starting this. We are here today because of LifeWise. We're not a part of church, and now here we are. We were just baptized, and I just want to thank you. And it's those stories that that we just hear again and again and again. And it's, it you know, it said a little child shall lead them. That's what we're seeing happen regularly, that kids are curious, they're getting connected, and they are then connecting their families back to the community of faith. I tell people that I played football in college, and so I'm not necessarily a soccer fan. There's only one thing that could get me to a soccer field on Saturday afternoons, and that's if my kids are playing. And so where am I on Saturday afternoons? I'm at a soccer field. <laughs> and that's what, that is what we're seeing happen with LifeWise. Kids are getting involved, they're getting excited, and now their families are showing up. I'm wondering, I mean, where, where would a church or where would a parent first start looking for this? And could they get, like you were talking about before, can they get a group of parents together and saying, we want to do this? Is Do you have a sort of a dollar amount that people kind of can look at as a ballpark number that they can that they need to raise? Well, again, the dollar amount would probably be anywhere from 10000 on the low end to over 100000 on the high end. But I wouldn't concern oneself in any way on, on the front end with dollar amount. What I would say is that we've put together a very simple, clear, effective strategy to get one started that anyone can start. Even if you don't think you're going to fund it, even if you don't think you're going to lead it, even if you don't think you're going to teach, you can still get the ball rolling because it starts with what is essentially a petitioning process. You can go to our website, find any school district in the nation. You can see if there's already a movement and whether there is or not, you can add your name to what we call the community interest list and then share that with others. As names continue to be added to that list, you'll be amazed at what God will do. The right leaders will pop, will will pop up. The right funders will appear, begin that 10-step process. And as we've seen hundreds of times, the process kind of takes care of itself. You say 12 states. What are the 12 states right now? Well, you know, we just hit 13, I oh, think. Oh, 13. Okay. Little, I wouldn't say little, oh, magic and 13. Me, <laughs> yeah. And you're putting me on the spot to list all of them. I don't think I can. But just, just, a, just a ballpark. I mean, like name some of the states. Yeah, absolutely. So we're based out of Ohio. That's where we started. So mm-hmm. Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Tennessee, Iowa will have a program. We just were confirmed in Texas. We'll be in Georgia and uh, we'll be in Arkansas. And I, I don't know how many I just listed, but uh, those are a few, a few of them. Can you get a place like, I mean, I I've, I hear these states and I know they're really sort of, they're many of the flyover kind of states that people kind of think of in the Midwest. You have, you know, Iowa, certainly. Can you imagine something like this in a place like California or New York that really yeah. need it? <laughs> yeah, well, not only can I imagine it, we're working on it right now. So in Ohio, while it's some ways a flyover state, Ohio, as they say, so goes Ohio, so goes the nation. It'll kind of be a, a purple state in terms of voting and whatnot. But in some of the most challenging counties and cities in Ohio that you would think you would think it would be the most challenging. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes we're having the easiest time getting LifeWise started in whether it's urban context, suburban context, rural, whatever it is. And when I say, you know, California, we're working on it. We just had our first kickoff meeting for a program that's working to get started in Los Angeles. And wow. so we're working. We've now heard from people in communities in all 50 states. We've now heard from people in more than from more than 10 percent of all school districts nationwide. And so things are in the works and we're confident that it can work anywhere. And it may sound wild, but it's our very intention to see Bible education available for every single one of the 13,000 school districts, 90,000 school buildings, and 50 million public school students nationwide. I mean, people just have to know about it. I mean, that's really the bottom line. I had no idea this this kind of uh, opportunity existed. You know? That's exactly right. In fact, we say that is our single greatest obstacle. We've now seen the concept proven. Uh, the obstacle is that people just need to know. And so that's why I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And if, if you're listening out there, find your district on the website, sign your name and spread the word. When people hear about it, they go to work. I want to talk about the larger spiritual thing that are, is happening, because I do know that scripture when jesus says the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church and i have to think that this is this is a divine calling here this is a divine intervention that's happening here all the poles are wrong you know mm-hmm. and your lifewise academy is proving that well, that's what it at least feels like. I feel like a kite in a hurricane sometimes, mm-hmm. and it seems like every goal we set, the Lord doubles it or or then some. And we set a goal when we started, let's see 25 schools served by 2025, and here we are in 2023, and there's over 300 schools that are live. And uh, it does feel like a move of the Lord. And and so we're we're confident, you know, we're, we're just going to be faithful. We are going to uh, serve him and we're going to spread the word and then we're going to leave uh, leave the rest up to him. You know, you're a minister, so you know this, but a lot of people would equate any, you know, Christianity as equal to any other religion. But from a minister standpoint, if the Bible is true, objectively true, then it means all other religions are false. Do you ever get pushback from other religions in those schools saying, why are you trying to teach them something, you know, about the Bible? Doesn't that teach them to look down on other religions? Well, this is one of the beauties of what we do with release time. And it's not, you know, us training the school personnel to teach the Bible because we're able to very quickly say, you know what, if another religion wants to take advantage of the same opportunity, that's fine. They can buy a bus, they can find a building, they can uh, send out permission slips and see see who signs up. But we have the freedom to teach uh, the word of God. And so we're not going to water that down. We're not going to alter that. We're going to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ as part of our program. I mean, I am just, I, I you who've, you must have had pushback from school administrators at some point over this. You know, a little bit, but to be honest with you, we've received less pushback than I ever imagined. Again, some of the areas that if you would ask me to make a list of the areas of the school districts in the Columbus area where this would be the most challenging, we're currently serving 
all of those areas right now. Again, yeah, sometimes schools push back, but it's not because of the religious piece. It's more of the logistics. You know, how are we going to make this work in the schedule? And now we have people on staff and enough experience to talk with them through that. There's the occasional person who has a vendetta against Christianity and frankly, a bigoted, you know, mm-hmm. viewpoint of religion. Um, but those are few and far between. We did have the Freedom From Religion Foundation just sent out a letter to every school district in the state of Ohio, urging them to not work with LifeWise Academy. Wow, really? Yeah, it's spreading so rapidly. And we released a public statement thanking them for spreading the word, investing their time and resources to spread the word about LifeWise. So we're not concerned. <laughs> what is your objection to LifeWise Academy? Like free, Because Freedom From Religion Foundation is is they are ravenous about going after anything Christian, going after, you know, prayer in schools. If one person complains about a prayer in school, they are on it like white on rice and sending letters threatening a lawsuit against these school districts that can't afford law, you know, to to take on a a, a legal fight. What is their objection to LifeWise? Well, they don't have a legal objection. It, it's so clearly legal. I mean, they've uh, sent, and you can see that if you were to read their letter. I mean, it, it almost does an expert job of laying out for schools how very legal it is because mm-hmm. the court is ruled in the state law. And so I think all their letter is saying is reminding schools they don't technically have to work with us, uh, which we think is is comical. Like, you know, why would you even send a, a letter for that? It's kind of showing their hand that they just don't like Christianity. They don't like religion and they're angry about it. And so I think they've clarified everybody's clear on it. That's one of the beautiful things. It's unambiguously legal. Schools don't need to be nervous and they don't need to be rattled by the by bully tactics. Do you worry that an organization like that would try to like make a legal case against you being there and that even mounting it to the level of the Supreme Court to get that law changed? Uh, do Is it possible? It, surely it's possible. Yeah, because right um, now you're in 325 schools or in 13 states. It's not really affecting the entire nation, but this is going to grow. And this is going to grow to the point where they're going to fear the power of it. And that's when the the real fight begins. Yeah. And, and we are confident that that fight is coming and we are not worried about that. We're not scared of that. Is it, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but we're kind of excited for that uh, because we know that the Lord is there to protect us and support us. And, and we know God's people will rise up. That's one of the things. Our Again, our greatest obstacle is that people just don't know about this. So if opposing groups want to shine a greater spotlight on the fact that it's possible and it's happening, by all means, please shine a spotlight. Wow. Wow. Once again, how do people find out about it and how do they jump on board about it? Yep. Lifewise.org. That's L-I-F-E-W-I-S-E dot O-R-G. Go there. You can see all sorts of video of impact examples. But most importantly, before you leave, click find your school, look up your local school district, and please add your name to the list of your local school district. And we can see that 10-step process take effect in your community. Wow. Well, Joel Pendon, the book, they want to read the book. The book is called During School Hours, Why and How LifeWise Academy is Reinstalling Religious Education in the Public School Day. Thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and I wish you the best and bless you. Bless you. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.